But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Greetings, friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. This morning, we are resuming our study in the Gospel according to Matthew. I'm ready for chapter 24, which begins the Olivet Disclosure. Now, I have taught Matthew 24 and 25 more times than I can count. I've written about it uh, in both of my devotionals, referring to some of the parables, referring to some of the things Jesus says. We've had many, many conversations on this show over the years. And believe it or not, every time I go to study it and to present it, it actually gets harder, not easier. It was a lot easier when I was more ignorant of the scriptures. You know, because you could kind of just regurgitate the common common thinking, common teaching, common theology as a common eschatology as it results to Matthew 24 and 25. But the more I look at it, the more I realize it's not quite that simple. And so we're going to look at it this morning. And I may do the thing that I've done too many times, which is raise more questions than I answer. But I want you to be able to think critically. And I want you to be able to put away all the pet doctrines that we all have, that we all wrestle with, right? But the pet doctrines really stop us from being able to understand the truth. We have to get past this mindset of, of desperately trying to prove the thing that makes us feel the most comfortable. This is what people do in society, what they do about their ideology, about what they, theology, you name it. It's always about, let me go find an article, let me go find a person, let me go find a YouTube video or a talking head or a pastor or somebody to affirm the thing I want to believe because that's the thing I want to believe and that thing makes me feel good or better about the situation. We're going to lay all that aside today. We're going to understand that if a man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet that he ought to know, according to the scriptures. We need to understand that scripture is better, or prophecy especially, is better understood in hindsight. And I really have come to believe, and I reserve the right to be wrong, that when it comes to Bible prophecy... There's multiple fulfillments, multiple understandings, and sometimes it's talking about the now, and sometimes it's talking about the future, and sometimes those things are mixed together. So, open up our hearts. Let's see what the Word of God has to say to us this morning. Remember, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I'm going to raise some questions and give you some things to think about. 
but you have to wrestle with these things on your own with the Lord. And any person who, who, when they have their charts and they, they just have it all figured out, that's when you know they don't have it figured out. Let's begin. Matthew 24, we're not going to do 25 today, so we're going to have a part one and a part two of the Olivet Disclosure. We're just doing 24 today, uh, which happens to be 51 verses, so not short by any means. Let's begin. Starting with Jesus foretelling the destruction of the temple. King James Bible. Verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another. There shall not be thrown down. Please note, obviously this happened in 70 AD when the Romans came in, massacred an, an unthinkable amount of people, blood ran in the streets, they tore down the temple, they desecrated the temple, they set up idols around the temple, all these things took place in 70 AD. From the disciples' perspective, that would have been unthinkable. Looking at the, the temple and the, the, just the magnitude of it, it would be unthinkable that it could come down. Not to mention, it would be unthinkable that God would allow it to come down. But that is exactly what happened. Let's continue on. Now his disciples have got some questions, and the way they phrase the question is important. Verse 3. And he sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? So what are they asking? When will these things be? What are these things? We just told them about the temple, right? This is probably the thing that's on their mind. When's this thing going to happen? What is the sign of thy coming? Now, at this point, they don't understand that he's going to die. Right? Like he's told them, but they still don't get it. So when, they think, when they're thinking about his coming, what are they thinking about? They're probably thinking when he's going to come as, you know, king, right? And the end of the world. Now, some translations say end of the age. Both of them are possible translations based on the word. Uh, most newer translations actually say age, um, but the King James translates it as, as world, and you can go back to the Geneva Bible from the 1500s. It also translates it as end of the world. Here's what Matthew Henry says. Christ foretells his second coming. Well, actually, forgive me. Let me get to the right one. Christ foretells the utter ruin and destruction coming upon the temple, a believing foresight of the defacing of the worldly glory will help keep us from admiring it and overvaluing it. The most beautiful body will soon be food for worms and the most magnificent building a ruinous heap. See you not all these things? 
It will do us good to see them as to see through them and to see the end of them. Our Lord, having gone with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, he set before them the order of times concerning the Jews till the destruction of Jerusalem and as to men in general till the end of the world. I happen to, I've, I've went back and forth over the years about all these different views. I land where Matthew Henry ultimately lands. He's talking about several things. He's talking about the end of that generation and the punishment coming upon the Jewish people who rejected Messiah, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. But he's also talking about the end of the world and in general for all of humanity. And so that's where I land as well. So we've got a couple of subjects going on, which is why this can get kind of complicated. I know I'm rambling a lot and talking a lot. I apologize. Let's continue on. Jesus is going to answer this question. The disciples just asked, when will these things be? What will be the signs and the end of the world? Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See not that you are troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. So please note, when we read that, it's hard not to look at the world today, right? All of these things are very present and have been increasingly so for the last hundred years probably. Just endless conversations about war. Even now, what do we hear about all the time? War, 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 war. The propaganda machine is always pushing that, isn't aren't they? Famines. There's food shortages in all sorts of places in the earth. This has always been true, by the way. Pestilences. That's referring to disease. And we are certainly living in an age when there's just the most bizarre and weird diseases all over the earth. Things that never existed, like cancer, as an example. But then, of course, we we have all these man-made diseases now, right? That are conjured up in a library or a laboratory and then released on the world. All these things are definitely increasing, and so I get the argument, and I'm certainly not opposed to the argument that what we're seeing is the beginning of birth pains and how do birth pains behave. The closer you get to the thing, the actual birth, the more frequent and intense the pains become. Now, I believe according to some things Jesus says that in some ways, so while all this chaos is happening, pestilence, war, rumors of war, all this stuff is happening in other ways, the world is continuing on like it always has. People continue to get married and to do things and to live life normally. And then sudden destruction comes. Let's continue on. 
These are the beginning of sorrows. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. So, that certainly happened with early Christianity. Not only were Christians being persecuted by the Jews, but you had the Roman Empire burning Christians as, for candlelight at parties. And the people who paved the way so that you can have a Bible in your hand and that you can talk freely about the Lord, they paid with their own blood. And the world was not friendly to Christianity at all. We could argue it's becoming hostile, hostile towards the faith now, but nothing compared to what it was in the beginning. So Jesus is warning about this. Verse 10. Then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. So please note, I know I'm going verse by verse today. Have you ever seen a better example of many will be offended and hate one another than what you see today? I mean, take, talk about taking it to a whole new level. Everyone hates everybody. Everyone is offended by everything. We've gotten so ridiculous that we're now people are offended when you don't affirm their delusions, when you don't affirm their mental illness. That's where we are. And then they hate you, but say that you're the one who hates. Because truth is hate to those who hate the truth. Verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth, he that shall endureth, endure to the end, the same shall be saved. So saying this is what culture or society will be like. Many will be offended. They will hate one another. False prophets will rise up and deceive people. Iniquity, lawlessness, evil will abound, will increase. And love will wax cold. No one respects humanity anymore. People will be way more upset if they see a video of a dog getting abused than a child. They value an animal, a beast, over a human being. Humans have no value to each other anymore. No compassion. This is what the world will be like, he says. But those who endure to the end shall be saved. And what are we enduring in? It's not just that we're enduring the sufferings of the world, but we're enduring and keeping the faith. Right? In spite of what happens, we don't fall away from the faith. Go read the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. To start the book of Revelation, that's the whole point. Is persevere, persevere. I know this is hard. I know this is not easy. I know there's suffering. Persevere in the faith and you'll be rewarded. Verse 14. This is an, this is an important thing, important verse as well as it speaks to us. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom 
shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. What's happening right now, and I mean literally right now as I speak, the Gospel of Matthew is being read and discussed, and it's being broadcast to nearly every nation in the world. And this is a small production. Very, very small. Might only be ten people in, in those nations. But it's hitting all over the world. And there's much bigger productions that are hitting even further. And there's churches. And the Bible app itself has been downloaded in every country in the world. We are living in a time when the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of, the, of Jesus has, being, has been preached and because of the internet and things like that it's touching the smallest corners of the earth we are seeing the fulfillment of this in our day now how much further this goes um, only the Lord knows verse 15 when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which be on a housetop not come down and take anything out of the house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. And woe to them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation as such not seen since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. This is an interesting section of words. Because on one hand, you have, first of all, the, the, desola the abomination of desolation referred to by Daniel seems to have been fulfilled like two or three times already. Like, there's been at least twice where the temple was destroyed and desecrated. Uh, there was one situation where a pig was even sla slaughtered on the altar. Um, then you had the Romans come in. They tore it all down and set up their idols. So there's at least two. Uh, the conversation, the, the things that Jesus is talking about, seems to be referring to those who are in where? Judea. They're in Israel. And the language all makes sense. We, do we here in America sit on our housetops? No. But they do in, in, in Israel. And so it makes sense that they see the desolation. And the people who were there in 70 AD, who heeded Jesus' words and fled to the mountains when the Romans came in, survived. But those who didn't heed his words did not but then he says this interesting thing. For then shall be great tribulation. By the way, he doesn't call it the great tribulation. He doesn't say there will be a seven-year tribulation. He says nothing like that. Jesus never says anything like that. He says when this situation arises, it will be great tribulation. It will be great trouble, which has not been seen since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. That's, that's the interesting part, and that's the part that gives me pause. It's because according to Messiah, when this situation is fulfilled, 
it'd be the worst the world has ever seen. Which lends to the possibility that we will yet see another version of this, right? So I'm not sold on that there has to be a third temple and that there will be a third temple. Not sold on that at all, but I can definitely see how that works. And this is where I don't like to be dogmatic. I don't like to like white knuckle my pet doctrines and be like, this is how it is. I have a wait and see mentality. I can see that it's fulfilled. I can see that it can still yet be fulfilled. And ultimately, it's up to God. I'm just here, and he's going to explain what our job is. So he's given us all this information. How do we act, and how do we respond? He's going to answer that question. Let's continue on. I know I'm rambling a lot today. Verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there shall be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Listen closely. There's been deceptions throughout the world by men who were false prophets, false messiahs, and there will be more. And some of the things that they'll do, both past and future, will be so compelling that if we're not careful, even those of us who are the children of God, who, who have the Holy Spirit, could be deceived. I see people who are filled with the who are filled with the Holy Spirit, good Christian people, being so easily duped by the propaganda today. I'm like, you really think the things you're seeing on TV are real? Most of it's green screen nonsense. It's all just to get you riled up and to get you scared. It's 99% fake. It's made in a Hollywood basement. So how much more so will they believe when the real in-game deceptions are finally here? When the image of the beast arrives. Let's continue on. Behold, I have told you before. So he's saying, look, you're without excuse. I've warned you. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in a secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even to the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is there, will the eagles be gathered together. What does he mean by that statement? I cover this in my devotional book if you have it. He's saying, don't believe all that's being said. He's over here. He's over there. When I come, it will be undeniable. You won't have to speculate. <laughs> it's like lightning from shining from the east and going to the west. It's like you see bird, you see eagles or buzzards circling around a carcass. 
I mean, you see them circling around in the sky. You know there's a carcass there. It's obvious. There's no question. When he returns, you won't have to wonder. It'll be, there'll be no question. So if there is a question, oh, is it him? Is it not? It's not. Okay? There'll be no doubt. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And all the tribes of the earth shall mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. My opinion on the rapture is also a wait and see. I can see the arguments for both. Again, I refuse to be obsessed and say this is how it is. Like I mentioned when I first started this podcast, the more I know, the less I know. The more I study the scriptures, the more humble I become about my opinions on what prophecy is saying. The people who are arrogant, dogmatic, white-knuckling their pet doctrines, I see them as ignorant. They're not open they're, they're, they've got blinders on and if things don't play out the way that their ch- little charts and everything they have mapped out plays the way they think it's going to play out they're going to be the ones who are duped and deceived or they're going to be the ones who don't persevere they're going to lose faith when it all unravels and they haven't been raptured yet what's interesting to me I'll just make this point Again, I do not stand firm either way. I believe that the trumpet blast could happen right now. We could all be caught up. I believe also that the world could crumble into a million pieces before. And the reason why I think that's possible is because of what Jesus just described here. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, when all the things happened that he's just mentioned... The moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Then will appear in the sky the sign of the Son of Man. Then when the people of the earth see this sign, they'll be like, We had it wrong. Jesus really is Lord, right? And the earth will mourn. And then he will send his angels to gather the elect from one end of heaven to the other. The Apostle Paul says, These things will not come to pass until there be a great falling away first, an apostasy, and the man of sin be revealed. So it's as much as I want to just really grab hold of the tribul- the rapture is going to happen and then before it, before any of this madness takes place I, I would love that to be true I hope it is, I pray it is come quickly Lord Jesus, come quickly 
but I don't want to be so confident in that that if it doesn't play out that way that now I'm struggling trying to you know what I'm saying do you understand what I'm saying I know it sounds like oh Sean you're afraid to commit no I just don't feel like the prophecies are clear enough to me personally to make that stance and to tell millions of people around the world I'm not reaching millions I'm just saying prophecy teachers do this where they're they're telling tens of thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people year after year after year don't worry the, the rapture is going to happen and then all the trouble is going to happen well if that's wrong you got a lot of people who are going to lose some faith I would say that there's been a lot of people who've been kind of put off and burned by this so many times just in the last decade. They told me the rapture was going to happen. I believed it was going to happen on that blood moon. I believed it was going to happen before this, before that. And now look at the world. It's, it's gotten way darker and way more evil than I ever could have imagined. And we're still here. And some of those people are put off. So that's why I don't want to commit to that. Because I, I'm just going to be honest. I've studied this prophecy and studied the scriptures hours and hours and hours and hours every week just on this podcast alone, not mentioning what I've done on my own and what I've done pursuing my degree and all of that nonsense and writing the books. I've spent a lot of time reading these scriptures. And I'm still unwilling to make those diehard commitments on what I think prophecy means. I'm giving you some possibilities. You can sort it out with the Lord. Let's finish up because I'm rambling too much. Verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putting forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see these things, know it is near and even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. This is another one of those tough ones. Because Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's looking at them. He's telling them that this generation, meaning their generation, shall not pass away till all the things be fulfilled. But what I hear the prophecy teachers teach... We all know, we all know it, right? Like we've all heard it enough times by now. What Jesus means is the generation that sees these signs will not pass away. Well, that's great, but that's not what he said. When I was getting my degree in biblical studies, I had to take eschatology, obviously. Uh, You take all the theology classes, including eschatology, the study of end times. And I had to write papers on this passage. And I expressed the thing I just expressed to all of you. He's not, he's very clearly talking to the disciples, telling them that their generation. And the argument I got back uh, when my paper was returned to me, um, the comments left by uh, the teacher grading it was, well, we had a lot of back and forth, so I'll put it that way. Um, but one comment that he that he left for me was that this word generation can also mean nation and people. And so his argument is Jesus could have very easily been saying these, this people, meaning the Jewish people will not pass away until all these things are fulfilled. 
The word can mean that, but that's never how it's used. Never. It's always used, translated as generation. Let me give you some examples. Now listen to the context. Is, who's, is, is Jesus not talking to the, is Jesus not referring to the very people he's speaking to in, in these verses? Matthew twenty three thirty six. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon, come upon this generation. Mark thirteen thirty. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Luke eleven twenty nine. And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, "This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, but no sign shall be given, but the sign of Jonah the prophet." Luke eleven thirty. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man be to this generation. Luke eleven thirty one. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. See where I'm going with this? Every time it's used, he's specifically talking about the people he's talking to. Luke 11.51, From the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, it shall be required of this generation. But first, he's talking about himself. He's warning his disciples that he's going to die. But first, must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation? Now, there is one time that the word is translated as nation. It's in Philippians. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. But it's, he's still talking about them, Paul is. Among whom you shine as the light of the world. So, it's hard for me to get behind the understanding that Jesus is saying the generation that sees these signs won't pass away. I feel like he's saying this generation, I feel like he's saying what he says. This generation shall not pass away till all things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. So, it's, this is what I mean by difficult. I'm not trying to create confusion or make this harder. I just want us to be open to the possibility that our modern understandings may not be correct. But maybe they are. And the things he's getting ready to say do seem to speak to the end. So it's kind of like what Matthew Henry said at the beginning. Jesus is dealing with that generation, with the Jews. But he's also dealing with all men at the end of time. So we could have multiple fulfillments. They could mean both things. I'm open to that possibility that they mean both things. There's definitely examples of that in the scriptures. Let's continue on. We're at almost 40 minutes. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of Son of Man be. For as the days of Noah were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered an ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. 
so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I think we have, this is a perfect example of what I think could have dual fulfillments. They didn't see the judgment coming in 70 AD. It was a surprise. Likewise, right now, the end of days, potentially, people are eating and drinking and getting married and they're doing normal life, even though the world is on fire around them. They have no idea that the flood is coming. And they won't know it until it happens. And that's what Jesus is saying. They'll be doing normal life. They, they'll, be, they'll be, you know, busy with worldly things. And then it comes. Sudden destruction comes upon them. Verse 42, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what hour the, or what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be you also ready, for in such an hour you think not the Son of Man cometh. So Jesus is saying, like, if you knew when the thief was coming, you'd be, you'd be sitting and prepared, right? Live like that. Live as if, as if the thief could come at any moment. He's saying, because I'm telling you, it's coming at a time when you don't think so. It's going to happen when it doesn't line up with your charts. It's going to happen when it doesn't line up with how you think the world is going to look. It's, it's going to be unexpected. It's going to be a shock. Verse 45, who then is faithful and wise servant, whom when the Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him meat in due season, blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find him doing. Here's what, very simple. What are you supposed to be doing with your life? Occupying till he comes. Not hiding in the corner. Not saying, oh, the world's going to end tomorrow, so I'm just not going to do anything with myself. I'm just going to hide in my bunker with my beans and bullets. No, Jesus says, occupy till I come, do the work of the kingdom, continue to make plans for the future, continue to do things that need to be done to further the kingdom of God, be busy about that until he comes. That's when you know that, it's, that you're done. You're not done working for the kingdom of God until you're either dead or Messiah returns. Other than that, be about your father's business. That's your mission in life. Blessed is the servant who, when he comes, finds him still doing the work. But what about the servant who says, I'm going to go back to my sin? Here's how this chapter ends. Verily I say unto you. So he says, Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he, when he cometh, shall find him so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler of all his goods. But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and to drink with the drunken. Then the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is how chapter 24 ends. Very plainly, what he's saying is the servant who thinks, well, the Lord's, I guess I thought the Lord was coming back, but I guess he's not. He's delayed. 
I'm going to go back to my sin. So he goes back to his sin. Then the Lord comes. What's his portion? I know this doesn't line up with people's theology. The Lord of that servant, he's going to come when he's not looking for him. He's going to cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, hypocrites where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think it's pretty clear. Keep your eyes above. Continue to do the work of the kingdom of God. Yes, the world is crumbling around us and the birth pains appear to be here, but we are to be busy about our Father's business. This is, that's why I continue to, to preach the gospel and to do this podcast. I'm going to keep doing it until I'm either dead, the Lord removes it from me, or He comes. Those are my options. We're not going to get scared and hide and decide that, well, what's the point, you know? I believe that, like I said, when it comes to the rapture, could be any moment. Could be any moment. But if it's not and some really bad things happen first, I'm not necessarily going to be surprised by that either. I'm not telling you not to be grounded in what you believe. I just want you to be open to the, the varying viewpoints that are all valid. And not get so caught up in something that you can't see other possibilities. When it comes to prophecy, I'm not talking about the obvious firm things that we are grounded in. You know, Jesus died. He's the son of God. Salvation is by faith in him and the finished work of the cross. Like, we're not talking about those those arguments we're just talking about prophecy alright this has went on long enough please don't come to the comments and argue about the rapture and argue about these things pray mull over the scriptures ask God to reveal it and reveal it to your heart it's okay to have a position but as Christians we are called to love one another not argue about prophecy to the point where we start telling each other that you're going to hell because you don't believe this and that's where it gets out of control I see it every time I do this topic that's enough peace and grace be with all of you and until next time God bless